Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the team who have been about as convincing as a Boris Johnson Brexit deal in recent months. Although, while the UK can't find a way out of Europe, Hearts haven't been able to find a way back into Europe. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Let's start with a tangent. Oh, already? Off the bat, (laughs) that reminded me, your intro reminded me of Have I Got News For You in the Angus Deaton era, (laughs) when he used to start with a topical gag, Welcome to Have I Got News For You, which is more exciting than blah, blah, and it usually was based on what was going on in either the political world or whatever. So, yeah, so you, you, you can be our Angus Deaton. How are you? I appreciate that. I'm I'm quite well. Yeah, I, I guess with hearts not playing, it's hard to think of something else to introduce them as, given nothing's really changed from from last week. Um, <laughs> no one no one got injured, thankfully. I don't think on international duty. So, uh, yes, I'm I'm well. I, it, it, yeah, there's there's no pressure of talking about a a dismal performance um, yet. Anyway, maybe maybe save that for next week. Yeah, and, and the good thing we were, as we always do, when when I dial you up on Skype or or whatever, saying, okay, what what's the crux going to be today? And and today's crux of of this podcast is is going to be about last week's homework, and it's it's players who played for Hearts who also played for their country that wasn't Scotland. We've had loads of people getting in touch, and I have to say, I enjoy putting together my one two teams worth of of players because it, it brought back memories and I had smiles on my faces and I was able to do it while looking at some of them on YouTube <laughs> and on the Amoruso Let's It Run um, page and it was it was good and, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm enthused ahead of the weekend but I am not as unhappy as we have been but that's been mainly because of blasts from the past which we will get into Yes, so we will talk about um the non-Scottish international 11 that we'd spoken about last time out. So putting together um, your choice for a Hearts team based on non-Scots who have international caps and have played for Hearts and their international caps do not have to have been while they were at the club. Um, We've had a lot of interesting responses, so we'll go through those and um, I suppose... (laughs) We will have a little look ahead to Hearts' next game against Rangers this coming Sunday. So first up, the homework last week. So we spoke about the Hearts International eleven, as I just mentioned, and um, it's an interesting one because there's a lot of there's a lot of obvious names you can throw in there. But I do appreciate the creativity and some people putting. I think, certainly on the base of it, maybe just some of their favourite players, not necessarily looking for the best quality eleven you could put out there. So there's there's some interesting choices. There's some obvious choices as well. And um, you mentioned the Amoruso Let's It Run Twitter account, uh, which also had um, little highlight, little clips of the, the team that was put together on there. Uh, it was also spoken about on Kickback as well. So... Um, I think it was a decent topic. So let's get into some of the suggestions. We'll obviously hear from from yours, Mark, as well. Um, Mr. Craig McGill, uh, we'll start with him, says, uh, it was actually tougher to find non-Scottish international players than I thought it would be 
decided on this though so he's given us it in a little formation which is always nice to see as well and he's went 4-4-2 with Ante Nieme in goals Takis Fisas at left back Michael Smith at right back Kevin McKenna alongside Maris Zaljukas in the centre in midfield we've got Skatchel wide left Mikkel Yunus wide right and in the centre of midfield Egert Jonsson and Tam Flugel and up front, Roman Bednar and Andy Kirk. So, yeah, flat four four two, and I guess a, a few interesting ones in there is, I suppose, positionally. Um, you got Skatchel wide left, uh, which I suppose is where he sort of occupied first spell, but many people felt he was much better in that free role in the middle. And you've got Thomas. I said Flugel, but I guess it's easier to say Thomas Flugel um, in centre midfield, which is a position, was one of many positions for him because we've seen a lot of people have met right back in their team. Just to fit things in, yeah, I've got Flugel, and I'll go, I'll go through my team later. Um, thank you for pronouncing it correctly, by the way, because it's lazy <laughs> otherwise. We're not all sheep, just because everyone else calls him something. If he himself calls himself Flugel, because it's got the double dots, whatever that is, an, is it an umlaut? An umlaut it is, yes, which hey, is usually an uh sound like, which is why Alim... Is Turk was always very difficult because he had double loom light. What about the Arsenal midfielder Mesut? Surname? Hey, Isil? Is yeah, I, I thought, yeah, but it's just been totally anglicised. Yeah, so so he, we've mentioned him before as a jack of all trades, but unlike jack of all trades, he was actually a master of many mm-hmm. and not a master of none. You could play Flugel anyway. We've had the chat about him being up front. Some of us have won won money back in the day. But just a, a really nice footballer as well, wasn't he, wherever he played? Yes, he was. And it's a pick, one of the other picks in there is, and I think he maybe comes to people's minds because of his international, I'll say achievements as well, because he was quite a big player for Canada. Kevin McKenna was always a favourite of mine. And he was another one, not as much as, Fl- as Flugel, but he was obviously thrown about. But two positions, really, it was centre-back and then it was centre-forward. Um, and we spoke about him recently because of his time with Craig Levine when he was the, the deputy to Mark de Vries because Levine's tactics first time around really relied on having a big striker. So if de Vries was injured or I don't know if he was ever suspended, but if he was, then McKenna was the go-to. And he was one of those, but he, he wasn't technically a brilliant footballer, but he tried so hard. He just covered so much ground and he just looked like he would give his all, no matter, I think if Craig Levine had put him in goals or at left midfield, he would have given his all and he would have probably done a job. But um, a player who's, yeah, not the greatest uh, talent, but uh, one of those, I think, usually fans had a, a soft spot for big Kevin McKenna. I remember him playing wide right, um, diagonal balls were sent over from left back to, to try and get him the better of the smallish left full back in the opposition. Um, up front, remember we spoke about the Dundee United game mm-hmm. yeah. uh, a week or two ago that, that he scored early doors. That was the reason we were talking about that. That was Craig Levine's last March match in charge first time round, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So he played up front. Again, uh, uh, another guy who... Was was one of these the way the way I kind of look at footballers is just totally generically if they get annoyed if they're substituted the guys that want to play ninety minutes every week not the guys that are like that look over please be my number please be my number yes and 
I don't like those kind of guys. I want the guys that will run through brick walls. McKenna was one of those. Flugel was, was a different one of those. He wouldn't want his number up. He, he'd play guys that would play through an injury. Guys that would not want their number held up. Give me 11 of those. Not 11 guys that look over and see their number and go secretly, yes, to themselves. Don't fancy those people. One more quickly from Craig McGill's team, just to mention. He does actually get another couple of mentions. Um, former Northern Irish international, now on the coaching staff at Heart of Lothian, of course. Andy Kirk, 11 caps for Northern Ireland. Didn't ever score for his country. Um, another one where you would probably say, and this is not meaning any disrespect to Andy Kirk, that you know when you compare him to some of the other players that will have named you know, an attack, especially the likes of um, Jankowskis, maybe Fuller, Pania, probably not in their ballpark in terms of technical ability, but he was a real poacher. And I, I think we've had this conversation before. It's one of those types of player that we just haven't had enough of in my time watching Hearts. You know, since Robbo, we've really struggled to get... We've had good strikers, good attacking players, but just that poacher. And I always thought that's what Andy Kirk was good at. He was just good at getting the right positions, finding the back of the net. And it wasn't a spectacular Hearts team he was in, but he always got a decent goal tally. Do you know who he reminds me of, of Laurie, when he, when he played? Just that kind of fox in the box, a bit like Billy Dodds. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as good as Billy Dodds, but I remember when we signed him uh, from Glen Torren, he, he, he'd done all right over there. I think he was like one in three, one goal every three games. And you always think, well, that was at that level. What would he be like at Hearts? And, and he did all right. He was like one in four uh, at Hearts. But I liked, I liked him with De Vries uh, in attack. Uh, he's a super kid as well, now obviously in charge of, of the reserves at Tynecastle. But just just hungry and just... You you could be pretty reliant on him. If a ball if he got service, he'd find the back of the net. And we haven't had one of them for a while, sadly. Amaruso lets it run went with a, a three five two on mm. the the Twitter page. Now we'll go through his team. So Nyemi and goals again. Um, a back three. Uh, now I think this has come up a couple of times. A very bold back three because it's only got one centre back. And it's not actually a centre-back. Um, so Michael Smith, uh, Alexandros Jolis playing sweeper, and Takis, mm-hmm. and Takis Fisas. Um, midfield five of Flugel, McCreary, Geran, Kingston and Skatchel, and Fuller and Jankowskis up front. So uh, first of all, it's, it's an interesting back three because you've got Michael Smith, who we know can play in a back three, but it's naturally a full-back. You've got Jolies, who again gets a couple of shouts, obviously a very good player, but wasn't really in the end a success for Hearts. He was a super player, um, but you know you could you could see the technical ability, but whether the application was there for his his time with Hearts, that's another question. And then, <laughs> and then Takis Fisa, so a couple of Greeks in the back line, um, but certainly not a, a defensive back three. Alexandros Cholis. Let's talk about him for a second because, and I'm not a big fan of swearing on this show, but he <laughs> did not give a fuck no. when he was at Hearts because he clearly thought he was far better than most of his teammates and far better than the league he was playing in. And it didn't take him long when he launched one of his many passes or, or whatever forward that he realised his teammates maybe weren't up to the level of those that he played with at Monaco or Pauk 
or Rasing Santander. Um, and really good player. I mean, he was a defensive midfielder. You could easily play him as a sweeper. Uh, just a, a classy, classy player who played loads for Greece. Um, 75 caps, I think he got. Yeah. Now, remind me, Greece won the Euros in 04, was it? He wouldn't have been in that Greek team. His, he, yeah, he, his he teammate the, in that back three was uh, Fisas. Yes, Fisas but, uh, was. He, he started the year after. And, and the Greeks kind of had the burden of being reigning European champions. And they didn't really live up to that. But, but he played more often than not. But he was a player, because he hadn't played, he, he wasn't a guy who, um, because he wasn't a, a, a 2004 winner, like we'd, we'd heard of Fisas because we'd seen him on TV, we didn't get much coverage um, of, of Greece after they, they kind of won the Euros. Um, he, he was in the Euros in 2008. Greece didn't do that well. He played in the World Cup in 2010 and, and 14. But it was, a, it was a bit of a coup. But he, he kind of he came with a fanfare, as did Oshinewa, and they both <laughs> left with a whimper. I, I think at least with uh, Jolie, you'd, you'd say at least he had maybe some good games for Hearts. He, overall disappointing, but yeah, that's probably Oshin- more... Oshaniwa was the type of guy whose best thing that he did in his career was to hire the agent that he hired. Because that agent burned off so many copies of Nigeria against Argentina at the World Cup and Oshaniwa against Messi and showed what Oshaniwa could do. But somebody bit, and ultimately it was Hearts. Um, it, it was a bit like some of the the kind of stars, Stefan Givarsh. Um, <laughs> who, who did well at the World Cup. Uh, all, all these guys, Basile Boli, who did well uh, playing for France and then didn't do much. It was okay. But it, it's amazing if you buy someone on the back of two or three good games at a major tournament, um, you could easily end up with egg on your face. But Cholis, if Cholis had the application and bought into playing at Hearts, he would have been a lot better. And I can understand why he's in a few of the teams. Because not from a Hearts perspective, but from a Greek perspective and a national team perspective, he was bloody good. Into the midfield and the team from Amoruso lets it run. So we've got Floglin there again, Skatchlin there again. Um, Gerang, who we talked about obviously last week briefly, 19 French caps, two goals, maybe didn't really hit it off at Hearts, but was tail end of his career. Um, This is a name that I had to double check again because I remember McCreary. I was like, who was he? Who was he again? Um, so Northern Irish international who had two years at Hearts from '89 to '91. Um, could tell you anything about him? Good player, good player. Okay. Um, he, he was synonymous with his his, his lack of hair, but he, he got around. He was he was a he was a he was a good footballer. Um, he was dogged, but he could pass a ball as well. And he did really well at Newcastle. And he played with Robbo at Newcastle. He played with Michael O'Neill, Darren Jackson, Mirandini, all these guys at Newcastle. Um, and it, he was a mainstay down there. Not a goal scorer. He was more a defensive midfielder. Not tall at all. Not big. But had a stature about him. The way he played the game. Just a good passer of the football. And oh, played 67 games for, for Northern Ireland. Yeah, good, good player, Dave McCreary. Um Having without kind of giving away um, my team right now, because I want to more importantly is the people who've got in touch with us to read their teams. Um, he is 
He's 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 he's, he's mentioned, um, but he's not in my team. But I can see why he's in others. Um, up front, um, Ricardo Fuller would have been. Mm. Now the, <laughs> I'm going to go off on a little tangent of my own here. Um, do, do you not love when you get one of these sort of you know the whole six degrees of separation moments where it's something randomly intertwines with something else? Um, so. Completely off football and heart stopping, I had a meeting earlier today in my day job um, with someone from who mentioned he's from Nantwich, and I just went Nantwich Town. Um, I said, I, I said it's the first thing that popped into my head. Don't know anything else about the place. I just remember that's their team, and we had a laugh about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I think they play in um, uh, the north, uh, whatever the conference is these days. And then I just clicked on Ricardo Fuller on my screen, who currently plays for Nantwich Town. Ricardo Fuller still playing. That's what it says. Wow. It says he plays for Nantwich Town. Oh, he has only... Oh, he's not 40 yet. I suppose. So, two different types of people that play football. One wants to go out at the level that they've become accustomed to. Others that are happy just to go down the, the, the divisions because they've got this love of football and they don't care what level. He's clearly one of them. But it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because left Oldham in 2016... Yeah, it's, it's, out, of, out of the game for three years. Came, out, came out of retirement. Back. Just found the news story. Came out of retirement to help promotion chasing Nantwich Town. Um, so whether that is not being updated and he's he must gonna... he must live he must live locally. Um, because you know it's not the kind of thing you're gonna you're gonna travel to. Um, wow. So there you go. He he, he, he was a player. He was such an entertaining player, and you you wonder. Um, I was thinking back. Obviously, I remember being gutted, like probably yourself and many other Hearts fans. You know, we knew there was that. Was it five hundred grand had been agreed? Hearts could pay to get him at two thousand and two. That was when his loan deal from Tivoli Gardens in Jamaica would have finished, and obviously we couldn't stump up the money. So he uh, obviously went south of the border in the end to Preston. Um, just thinking, I mean, if we'd stumped up that money, Craig Levine may, you know, maybe he couldn't have brought in De Vries, I suppose, but could you imagine if he'd brought, if he'd been able to sign Fuller and had him alongside De Vries the following season? I don't know if that would have worked. No? No, just the styles. Kirk and De Vries works more for me than Fuller and De Vries. Fuller was, Fuller was a guy who, who was a free spirit. Um, commentating on him. Three up front? <laughs> De Vries in the middle, Kirk one side, Fuller the other. Are you, are you, are you talking about a Craig Levine team here? <laughs> okay, uh, yes, okay. Uh, just, just think, think, <laughs> engage brain. Um, F- Fuller and De Vries, some, some weird things work, but it's very rare to get a big man, big man partnership that works. Uh, Motherwell kind of tried it, they had Curtis Main and gone back, I mean, John Sutton, it's normally either big guy, wee guy, or big guy on his own, or wee guy around him, or medium guy and big guy. I, I don't know. I don't, but Fuller was a guy when I commented, there was one game. What was it, Motherwell? Was that the game he scored? Well, when, goal? He, when he ran past to go around yeah. like three players and round the keeper as well. That was the one. That was home, the one. home 3-1 victory against Motherwell. It would have been 2002. It should have been, yeah, that part... It's funny how you remember things. You're, you're, it's like word association. Stephen, you say something. Uh, Stephen, uh, no, Stuart Elliott, the Motherwell Elliott, would have scored the 
opener for Motherwell. I think we went behind in that. Is, it, is this from memory or is this, this on This is from memory. Um, wow, that's impressive. Because he was a Northern Irish international as well, actually. Um, he was, yeah. Fuller scored twice in the game. Uh, I think McKenna. What, se- what, season, what season are you going for? 0 one o two. Um Okay, let's see if you're I'm, right. I can't remember. If I think Fuller got two goals. Um, and I th- I'm going to say McKenna got the other one with a header. 3 uh, 1. Against Motherwell at home? Yeah, it was a 3 1 victory, definitely. It was definitely 3 1. Okay. Uh, I'll find that and see if you're right. But isn't it funny how certain things just pop into your head? You're right. Okay, 22nd of December, 2001. One. And one. It was definitely uh-huh. a wintery game. It was a. Stuart Elliott with the opener after 20 minutes. Ricardo Fuller's equaliser after 54. Kevin McKenna after six, uh, 64. Oh, Fuller got two. I yes. didn't know that. And, yeah, he, he did a he did um a bowling ball celebration after scoring one of them. Remember that, like a you know, rolling the ball down the towards the 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 pins. Was that was that one of his first games then, mm. or was that? Let's have a look. That was his first. That was his first goal. Was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Don't think he'd, scored, so. he'd scored two before that, so it wasn't his first game. But it, he just, he just remember certain things, and he had bandy legs. He had Jim Layton esque legs, <laughs> um, which made it very difficult for defenders to kind of know what he was doing. I don't know if I would want to have been Ricardo Fuller's teammate because I, I get the impression you would have done a lot of running, but there's a kind of blinkers on from from Fuller. But that made him at times joyous to watch. It also made him frustrating to watch. But he was a player who... You think with some players, yeah, you fulfilled your, your potential. I don't know. You'd have to ask Ricardo Fuller if he feels he, he fulfilled his potential because he got some decent moves and he did all right um, down south. and He, he played, what, 13 years for his, his country. Um, but I don't know. Was he an overachiever or an underachiever? I don't know. It's subjective, but what I would say is he was a player who was really, really fun to watch, and he does make my starting eleven oh. in my team. Okay, um, we'll move on to let's see. Callum sent us one, so he's went with a four-two-three-one formation. Now he's not gone with Niemi and goals. Um, he's gone with probably the only other option I think you Rousse. could go with. Indeed, um, it's maybe just a generational thing. Most people went with Niemi, but Rousse got in there, of course, two caps for France and a cup winner with hearts as well which you know not many people can say um a popular player I think a very good goalkeeper I I guess he was in goals when I first started watching hearts but I didn't see his first couple of seasons um I would probably say Niemi was a better goalkeeper I think um but you know it's a difficult we've had good goalkeepers down the years we have and then I think I've told you the story before. Um, I got gazumped on something Billy Brown and Jim Jeffries had given me, and um, I'd done them a favour, I think, or, or whatever at Radio Fourth. And in return, I got given a story um, and told when to use it. It would be an exclusive, and it appeared somewhere else first. And um, next time I saw them, they were very apologetic, and Billy said, "We'll look after you." And I got a call. I think it was, in fact, I, I tell you when it was. It was December 1999. Um, and it was from Billy to come and see them. They had a story, and they told me that they were going to sign Antti Niemi from, would he have been at Rangers at the time? Yeah, 400000 um, that we paid for. Yeah, but the problem was 
they already, it was kind of, why do I think it was later on in the week, maybe a Thursday or something like that. It was prior to, he made his debut, I believe, in the Millennium Derby that Hearts lost. Yes, he did. Uh, I think, and so yeah, did but, Fitzroy Simpson. <laughs> yeah. So now you'll need to help me out here. The reason that uh, he, he kind of, he told me, Billy, when I could use it was because it hadn't been done at that point, but it was on the verge of, but they didn't want it mentioned in case it didn't get over the line. Now, I believe it would have been Roddy McKenzie. I might be wrong there. No, you, somewhat... you were right. I think because uh, Roddy always had that unfortunate situation where he was number two constantly and then someone would leave and he'd get a brief spell in goals and then we'd, we'd sign a new number one and he'd be back to back up again. Um, right, yeah. So it, so it was the 19th of, of December. I'm just looking at the... The thing, yeah, it would have been Roddy McKenzie because he was the unused sub. So the deal must have been done, I don't know, maybe the Thursday or the Friday. Uh, it was the week before Christmas. Obviously, we've got parties, Christmas parties and whatever going on and whatever. But th- this was a chance to get a scoop. So, um, yeah, r- ran with it. And at the time, he, who was keeping him out? Would it have been Stefan Kloss at Rangers? Uh, or Lionel Charbonne, I think he was a bit, bit later, but whoever it was, must have been he was always, about that. Time. I think so, I think so, but he was always highly thought of, and any any opportunity that he got, he, he was 27 when he signed for Hearts, any opportunity that he got, he was, I think he just wanted first team football. Yeah. Because if you if you've got if it was Klaus and you've got Niemi, I mean it, it's a bit like um, Romero at Manchester United. Now I know De Gea's out this weekend, and I assume Romero will get his chance. Um, I wonder if that would have meant if Joel Pereira had been at Manchester United and not on loan at heart, so he would be <laughs> on the bench. Um, but when you've got two really good goalkeepers and, and one of them maybe just wants game time, he, he was a player who uh, I didn't see him play in many poor games. Um, and he had these moments, but just uh, there's very few. I mean, Craig Gordon was a wonderful shot stopper, but Ante Niemi's all-round game. And it's, it's funny now, what you ask a certain age of person, uh, you say to them, Ante Niemi, and people say, oh, it's the talk sport caller. Yeah. To Arthur Alveston. <laughs> oh, it's finished. finished. Yeah, go. Yeah, and it, it still makes me laugh. It was, that, a, it's a good, it was, it was a good joke, but it's one of those that's just... It's so TT it's, now. It's, it's had its day. <laughs> it's, it's so TT now. But what, it's funny, when I look at that team um, from the, the Millennium Derby, we had Naismith at left-back, Petrich and Presley at centre-backs, and Leclerc at right-back. Simpson, Fulton, Cameron and Severin with Jackson and Stefan Adam. That's a bloody good team. Um, I don't know we lost. We got hammered. We got thumped. Soze ran the show, yeah. I think. Soze, Latipi, um, it was all about them. But Niemi was a wonderful, wonderful goalkeeper. And we, I think we maybe got some of his best years because we joined at twenty-seven. He was always a player that I, I always remember. Just, just had that feel. You had that kind of just that he was that we were punching above our weight having him there. I always just felt like how how have we got this goalkeeper? This isn't gonna this isn't gonna last. He's gonna go. That's a good. That's a good point. Um, that could be a homework for for another week down the down the road. Players that you've seen. And you know that they shouldn't be at Hearts. They're too good for us. But you, you kind of... It's like Roman Bednar in the first half of the pre-season friendly that he played as a as a trialist. And um, remember, under George Burley, and they kind of... They, 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 they subbed him and they're like, God, make sure, make sure we get this deal done. And you're like, what? How's he at Hearts? 
Niemi, Niemi was one of those. You're like, oh, this this boy's this boy's something special, and he's my starting goalkeeper again. I've got him and him and Rousse, but but for me, Niemi was was brilliant. Callum, who we were talking about, actually didn't have Niemi in goals. He did have Rousse, but uh, we'll, we'll go through. So we had Fisas left back, Tam Flogo right back. Interesting central defensive partnership: Ibrahim Tal and Aaron Hughes. Um, so. I'm guess it's an interesting one when we put these questions out, and I know that we both agreed that we like to do it this way because we're not we don't state whether okay this has to be based on how they were at Hearts. It could be based on them at any point in their career, and you know Aaron Hughes was an absolutely terrific defender. I would argue that Hearts just had him as a squad player, and you know when his legs were almost gone by the end of it. But overall, you know Aaron Hughes. Um, what most capped outfield player for Northern Ireland, um, and just a very solid player in the English top flight for many years. So a quality player throughout his career, regardless of how you know it came to an end. Um, and Ibrahim Tal, the man who was earning what nine grand a week and didn't play for, for what most of the season that year. Absolutely bizarre story, uh, Ibrahim Tal. He was signed in August two thousand and five. Uh, on a kind of a loan deal, but he was paid a lot of money. And Burley didn't know anything like, about him, did he? No, he, he knew nothing about him, and he he was he was the hamper boy. That was when he even got the chance to go on the bus, because most of the time it was no. Nah. And then Burley left, and um, who do we have that year? So McGlynn came in, had a couple of games. It, we had, it, would, it would have been Graham Mr. Ricks, Ricks. We had Valdas. Uh, yeah, um, Valdas won us the cup, and. He, he was an integral part of of the second half of of o five o six team, and he was a bloody good player, wasn't he? Because he was he was solid without being spectacular. He rarely gave the ball away, and just to make up we, the individualistic kind of nature of some of the players in that team, because we had Fisas, we had Gonçalves, who then got his chance against Aberdeen in the cup when Fisas was told he had the flu. Um, the shepherd, Gonçalves, remember him against Sproul? He shepherded him into the field next door. Um, Tall was 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 excellent. Uh, Bednar in attack, Mikkel Yunus, Craig Gordon in the goal, Presley as the kind of captain fantastic. Um, Webster, Webster was there as well, I think, was he not? Or had he yes. gone by then? Yeah, yeah he, was, um, he was there. It's funny, your mind sometimes plays tricks on you, but... He but, was. But Tall, Tall he was, was a great guy to come to come into the team. Yeah, Webster had the. He was obviously out of the team by the end of the season. Obviously, with the the way things had gone with his contract, etc. But he. So, would you say Tall was the main beneficiary of that? Yes, I suppose so. Um, I know Berra had a chance as well towards the end of the season, just breaking in. But um, yeah, Abraham Tall would have probably been the. The, the big player there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's quite a few other. Um, I'm just looking at Callum's team. So he's went his two sitters in his four two three one. He's went with Geran and he's went with Glenn Whelan, um, which you know, a man who just won his ninetieth cap for Ireland in the week against Switzerland. Um, interesting shout to put him in there. He's obviously only had a few Hearts games, but again, an obviously very talented player who's had a very good career south of the border. So maybe no surprise really if we're talking about just the player. Overall, that he, that he yeah, it's it. not what they've done. It's not what they've done. I mean, look, I, I kind of, I did two or three different drafts, and I thought, can I put Keegan in there? And then I thought, no, let's let's be fair to to, to those. And 
I had Pasquale Bruno in an early draft and I had Salvatore, but Bruno only played for the Olympic team for Italy and Salvatore only played for the 21. So it, it was for me, and this is a whole subjectivity of the question. For, for me, it was more what they did and what they achieved for their country and also if they did something for Hearts. That would get into the first 11. But as I said, I did two 11s and, and we'll get to them shortly. What else you got? Uh, so I'm still at Callum's team because two more I want to pick from. So he's got he's got Pania as his striker. He's got Scatchel left to the attacking three. His other his two others in the attacking three were Stefan Pai and Roald Jensen. Um, so interesting picks there. I mean Stefan Pai, eight French caps and a goal. Play, person who sadly died a couple of years ago, actually just two years back. Um, a player who was in the Hearts squad when I first got interested, but I really, it's not a player I ever remember much about either. Pai? Um, <laughs> he made more headlines for his um, extracurricular activities. In, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, decent. He was one of these players, Laurie, that I kind of thought, I don't know if other Hearts fans thought the same, those who watched him. There's a player in there. Um, I remember him. Did he play in a League Cup semi at Easter Road against Dundee? And did Hearts wear an away kit? Because obviously the colour clashed. We, I think we wore like the the vertical stripes with the light blue and, and maybe white. Again, th- this is maybe my mind playing tricks on me and, and without cheating and kind of going on to, to, to kind of London Hearts. But I just always thought there's something in there. But whether it was application, whether... He was ever sober, or whatever it whatever it was. I, I don't know. I mean, there was all sorts of talk about being under the influence of of various things. Um, but there was there was a player in there, and he was a handful. I don't know if we ever. I doubt we ever saw the best of him. I think that's maybe why he was at Hearts. Um, but when he when he did get his his rare odd decent game, you kind of thought, "Phew, there's something there." And uh, Roald Jensen, uh, obviously yeah. a player who before both of our times, but a player that most Hearts fans know the name of, the uh, man who became Hearts' first non-British player when he joined in 1965, Norwegian, of course, and regarded, from what you read, as one of Norway's greatest ever players, four-time player of the year there. But um, interestingly, and I had read this before when I was doing some you know, Hearts researching, didn't actually play for Norway when he was at Hearts because Norway had um, an amateur rule at the time, which meant yep. as soon as he became professional, he couldn't play for his country until I think he then returned to Norway after. And he did get 31 caps and five goals overall, but um, obviously a big decision for him to, I suppose, come to Scotland and become Hearts' first non-British player. And um, apparently, from what people say, a very exciting talent. Yeah, and he died at the age of 44 as well, sadly, when he was he was playing for um, the old boys team from, from Bran. If you want to take a little bit of time, um, there, there's some fascinating stories out there about guys like Roald Jensen and about Dundee United's tie-in with, with Scandinavia and some of the players. And then you've got teams that came over here to the United States. Dundee United did so. Hearts are the first team ever to beat the New York Cosmos. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, in the 60s and kind of 70s, there's a lot of fascinating tales out there. And, and Roald Jensen was one of them. There was a, a really nice article in The Guardian in 2016. Um, his, his nickname is 
is Nixon, K-N-I-K-S-E-N. It means dribbler. And his he was basically called the Garincha of the Nordics you may never have heard of. And he's a, he's a great story. And it would be interesting just to find out more about who got him over. And back back when I was in the early stages of, of kind of my journalistic career, there was an agent who went by the name of Jake Duncan. I'm sure he still does, if he's, ah, he's still alive. Um, and, and Jake was a guy whose background was music. But I don't know how he got into the, the, the whole football thing. But he, he brought lots of African players over, and some were very successful. I think he brought Elephus Shavute over to, to Motherwell. Um, he also may have brought, in, uh, brought a guy called Jonathan Toto over to Hearts, <laughs> if I remember that. And I'm, 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 I'm sorry if that's, if that's not correct, but I, I just remember dealing with, with Jake, and you get the phone call from, from Jake, and I've got a story for you. <laughs> Great. I've got this boy I'm bringing over to Motherwell. I said, well, it's Radio 4, so we don't really care. But you kind of wondered, he's gone off the beaten track. It's a bit like Alex McLeish when he signed Ulysses de la Cruz. Because you've got to go off the beaten track. You can't sign guys that everyone knows about because it's going to cost a fortune. It's like going down to the Premier League and saying to a top team, how much for a top player? It's going to be an astronomical amount. So McLeish went over to Ecuador. Jake went to Africa. And I just wonder who would be... If there was such a thing, there wouldn't have been a scouting network back then when Roel Jensen um, came to Hearts. How, how did the club find out about him? And there's so many fascinating stories that, that could be told about that. But that, that's one of these that most Hearts fans have probably never seen him. You have to be of a certain age if you have. And if you haven't, there's some really good tales. Start with the Guardian article about the Garincha of the Nordics you may never have heard of. Roel Jensen. Darren Connell gave us a 4-3-1-2 formation, even put in number of caps beside each person's name, just to be helpful as well. Uh, Ante Niemi in goals, back four, Michael Smith, Aaron Hughes, Patrick Kisnorbo and Takis mm. Fisas, um, Jolis, Whelan and Flogel as the three, with Skatchel in the 10 role and Pania and Jankowskis up front. That's a it's a very talented team. I, I, knew, I guess we'll talk about the one player that is new from the ones we've heard so far, Patrick Kisnorbo, who was... He's another player who... He, he ended up being an out-and-out centre-back at the likes of Leeds and playing quite regularly for Australia. But when he was at Hearts, I could never quite work out what his best position was at that point. And I'm not sure if Craig Levine was entirely certain at that point either. He, he was like an Aussie Thomas Flugel. Uh, I saw him play right back. I saw him at centre back, and maybe filled in at left back once. He played in midfield a few times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, as yeah. Well. He did. He did. He did. He, he did all right. Did, now, did he play at Leicester with Mark De Vries? Yes, I believe he did. Yeah, I believe he did. He did, and yeah, they they were all right. That was when Craig had obviously gone down. I remember speaking to him many years ago, over a decade ago, about his time at Leicester, and Matt Elliott was on. A big wage, and he was told you're being brought in to, to cut the wage bill, and that's why guys like Joe Hamill and Patrick Kisnorbo and Mark De Vries ended up there, and it was it was done on the cheap, but he didn't have it. And I actually feel sorry for 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 Craig Levine during his time at Leicester because he didn't, it wasn't one hand tied behind his back. He pretty much had both hands tied behind his back down there, and he had to do what what he did, and he made the most of it, but. Because um, Norbo was a very steady player, but he was a really off the pitch 
super, super guy. Just a, always had a smile on his face. He had, he had a smile that would light up a room. Um, a bit like Ryan McGowan. Very few people had Typical Aussies. <laughs> Isn't it the same, though? It's very few people have got very, very many bad things to say about people you just want to surround yourself with. Happy people. I like happy people. Right, we've got a few others to go through, but let's 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 hear yours. Let's hear yours okay. while, we've, while we've got a moment, Mark. I'm just I'm just going to go through. Um, I've got two teams because I had so many subs. I thought I'll just do another. I'll just do another team. I've got a four-three-three and a three-five-two. Okay. So I'll get your I'll get your thoughts on the first one. Give me a, a kind of grade or a market of ten, and, and tell me what you think, and then I'll give you the second one. You can do likewise. So here's my first first eleven. This is the team that I would go with: Niemi and goal. Flugel, Petrich, Zalukas, and Fisas, Kingston, Garan, and Skatchel, Fuller, Jankowskis, and Pania. Petrich? Mm-hmm. Not having that. Why? Excuse me. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I wasn't a fan, I have to say. I wasn't a fan. But no, which, is, which is fine. Gordon Petrich was one of the best man-to-man markers that I have seen play. Um, granted, he didn't <laughs> do that job very well a lot of the time, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the positives from everybody here. And, and quick story um, about Petric. Uh, Gordon Petric signed for Hearts on quite a lot of money um, a week. Now, I believe, and again, uh, memory may be kind of doing me a disservice. But that was around the time of the SMG money. It was the SMG money. The SMG money was yes. Tomashek, Petrich, Niemi, Simpson. It was, I think it was about 700,000 on Tomashek. There was about 500,000 on Petrich, I think. Now, um, Gordon Petrich signed for Hearts because a current colleague of mine turned Hearts down. Who would that be? Oh, a current colleague of yours. Um, so it's going to be a centre-back. Uh, Why? But, unless, what, is it Hislop? Did he turn Hearts down? No, Craig Burley was offered £12,000 a week. I, I couldn't think of some of your colleagues. It was the only one I could think of. Um, That's fine. Um, Craig, Craig Burley was offered by Jim Jeffries twelve grand a week because Jim was like, God, this money to spend. I need to spend it. Uh, Craig had all. He was at Celtic. But he'd already done a. He'd, he'd verbally agreed to sign for Derby, and um, Jim had called him up and said, "Do you want to? Do you want to?" Do you? And Craig uh, Craig Burley to this day loves chatting about Jim. Just and he's a he's a grumpy bastard a lot of the time, <laughs> Craig. But um, I, thought, I thought you meant Jim. But not <laughs> Craig doesn't have a bad word to say about Jim Jeffries, and he said he did everything he could. He'd eat. I, I just made my mind up. I was going down to Derby, and, and it's funny how things work. And obviously, Craig's Craig um, spent a bit of time down there after um, leaving Chelsea to go to Celtic, and then he got the offer from from Hearts. Um, but he'd, he'd given his he'd given his word to Derby, uh, so he went down there. Jim was still looking to to spend this this SMG money, and and Petrich was on a fat, like probably about between ten and fifteen thousand a week, which is scary. No, no wonder we ended up 23, 24 million in debt first time around um, because of, of signings like that. But it was a it was a stupid time for splashing the cash. No one had any idea of the consequences 
yeah. that may that may happen. Petrich is probably best known in a Hearts jersey as, <laughs> as missing that sitter against Stuttgart. But just I, I saw him in a European game when he was younger playing for Rangers, and he was good at Dundee United. But when he went to Rangers, I, I kind of thought to myself, this this is a proper nasty bastard of a player who was a good defender. He, he made me think of like a, a bad guy's henchman from James Bond, you know, yep. the, the the Jaws type, just the, the the big imposing, doesn't say much, but just breaks yeah. things. And, and, yeah, and, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a nice lad because we were at the cup final in, um, in May against Celtic and um, I was speaking to my brother-in-law and my father-in-law after the game because... They went to the pub nice and early. We said, how was your day? And they were like, oh, we spent it with Gordon Petrich. I'm like, what? He was at the cup final um, back in May against Celtic. And he said, he's just a, he's a gentle giant. Do you guys get the blacklist over there? Red Reddington TV. Uh, I, I, yes, I've, I've, I watched a couple okay. of seasons of it a few years ago. Gordon Petrich is the kind of person that you would expect to be on Red Reddington's blacklist. Number five, Gordon Petrich. Oh, he's got a story to tell, and he's he's killed. But we need to find out who he's killed. The ice man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a cross between an episode of Dexter and the blacklist. You would expect to see, <laughs> or, or yeah, or or, or like the baddie in um in in, in Bond. Um, but he's fifty years old now. I just I, I know we've deviated, but. I thought about various things, and I had a few, uh, but I, I just I wanted Petrich for a nastiness. Okay. Because the re- the rest of my team is soft. I've got fuck all as far as, as um, protection from from my defence is concerned. Kingston's going to create, but he's not a worker. Garan would be, be, be injured right. if it's not an international yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, and Scatchell. That's my three in midfield. And I know earlier I said I don't know if I would play Fuller up front with a big man. I'm playing him in a three. With Yank- I'm having him wide on one side, coming in and causing havoc. Pinilla just doing what the hell he wants, and Jankowskis. It's not going to be a team that's going to keep many clean sheets because no one's going to get back and help. But what do you think of it overall? It's it's okay. What's your second one? Okay. You lost me a bit. Of, you lost me a bit of Petrich. Give me a second. Okay. Rousse and goal. Back mm-hmm. three of McGowan, Hughes, and McKenna. So we're going steady. Not spectacular. Okay. A midfield five. We're going defensive on one side and attacking on the other. So Michael Smith, Arnold Zoom, Jeremy Goss, Robert Tomashek, and Solius Mikolunas, who narrowly beats out Chesnowskis. And I'm going with I'm, I'm going with a power front two of Bednar and Lafferty. What do you think of that? This, this is a Craig Levine team. Um, <laughs> Pretty much is. <laughs> this is this is like something he'd throw together this season. <laughs> And then um, change, change it for the following week because, by God, he's not going to name an unchanged lineup for game number two. What do, what do you think of that? And how, how do you what do you prefer, team one or team two? I actually prefer team two, although it's not got the same quality of players in it. I don't think, but it's going to be a it's, it's going to it's going to be a bit more cautious, and it's not going to concede as many. It might not be as spectacular. Yeah, but... you kind of want Gowser in there, don't you? Because he's he actually. Do you... Ryan McGowan actually liked the Scarves Around the Funnel tweet asking um, for your favourite non-Scottish international no, living. He's, he's, he's a good lad. I don't know if that's trying to just hint. You know, someone someone throw me in there, please. No, and, and just absolutely, and the whole family, Dylan's a, a lovely, I remember. Do you see Big Gowser, Big Gowser scored on his uh, A-League debut? Do you see that? <laughs> never, mind, never mind he scored. 
his pals were like, bloody hell, big man. You had that on Instagram before the final whistle had gone. There was <laughs> there was no hanging about. So, yeah, of, of McGowan, Hughes and McKenna, Smith, Jume, Goss, who I like. I really like Jeremy Goss. We didn't get his best. Um, Norwich got his best. But good player. Tomashek, I, I like you. R- really liked him. And again, Mikhail Yunus, uh, I thought about Chesnowskis. Chesnowskis, I don't know if he was more talented than Mikhail Yunus. He might have been, but he was more inconsistent. I think you got more from, from Mikhail Yunus. And he was inconsistent as well, but I liked them both. Bednar and Lafferty. And, and my subs, the guys that I, I liked, but I never got around to putting in my team. Um, McCready, we mentioned. Paddy Kiznorbo, we mentioned. Cholis, because of what he did with Greece. Whelan, because of obviously what he's done with Ireland. Egbert Jonsson. Um, was another one, Alan Mabry and Andy Kirk. So, so I've had a bit of fun with that, but I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, he's over 80 caps now, uh, Miko, and he's third highest. He, he, he could well become Lithuania's highest ever capped player, because uh, I believe he is still playing on at the moment. Um, funnily enough as well, um, in Lithuania's top 10 uh, all-time capped players, there are four former Hearts players in there. Jankowskis, one of them? Jankowskis, Miko, who I mentioned Chesnowskis? Yeah. Uh, it's not Kurskis, I know that. He was honking. No. Goalie. Who... It's a different, a different era, actually, from, from those from those three, from the Miko Chesney, Jankowskis. You know, I'll probably kick myself. Who was it? Uh, Novikovas. So slightly... Oh, Arvidas. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little bit later. Remember a couple of weeks ago we did that thing about tre- maybe not treasured hearts possessions, but but wacky and different hearts memorabilia that you have mm-hmm. or football memorabilia. Um, there was a a guy who was Vladimir Romanov's. He wasn't his right hand man, but he was he was his PR guy, and he had the the job from hell because he was constantly putting out fires. He was the most mild-mannered, nice guy that you could ever wish to meet. And I came in one day, and he gave me a package. <laughs> you checked first to see if it's ticking. It wasn't. Um, but it was just a bag, and he's like, that's for you. And I said, thank you very much. What I, I don't know what I'd done or whatever, but he, he gave me this. Um, and it, I, I wonder if it's the only one in existence it's an FBK Kaunas jersey sponsored by Ukio Bankus, long sleeved yellow with Jankowskis and nine on the back. Because if you remember, we signed him from FBK Kaunas, despite the fact he'd never played for that team. And I believe it's the only one in existence. Quite um, possibly. Jankowskis nine, it's got on the back. And it's a long-sleeved FBK Kaunas yellow jersey with maroon kind of flashes, of the, like the Ukio Bankus. That's probably one of the weirdest pieces of, well, certainly probably one of my weirdest football jerseys. And he got signed it. Um, and it's in, the, it's in the cupboard with the rest of them. But the, I, I don't know if there's a second one out there. I'd be amazed. Because not even Edgarish Jankowskis would give a damn about having <laughs> one of those jerseys. <laughs> Uh, our friend um, Claudio uh, Claudio Berbecci, 
got in touch um, uh, in regards to the homework. Sent us a nice email, said, Being a relatively new Hearts fan, I can only cover the period stretching back to the mid-2000s. Should be enough to put forward a decent team, though. I'll spell out my picks in the very likely case that my handwriting has gone from bad to worse and you can't make out what I scribbled on this sticker that I photocopied into this email. He did actually attach a a copy of a post-it note, what he'd written the team down on. Um, so he goes in goal ante he's not finished Niemi I don't actually remember him but I did my due diligence which actually made my day as I stumbled upon the recording of the heart supporter who authoritatively proposed Niemi for the Scottish national squad only to learn on air that ante was finished not finished no way so there you go the joke has has travelled over to um, our Romanian friend based uh, based in Belgium um, at right and left back, Ryan McGowan and Takis Fisas, respectively. Nice to see McGowan still occasionally sparring with Hibs fans on social media. Which occasionally, he, all the time. Which he does like to do, which is great to see. Um, Centre-backs, he's gone two goal-scoring, commanding defenders in Marius Zaliukas and Ismail Bouzid. Uh, he would really like to have been able to pick Alim Uzturk in place of the latter, but unfortunately, Alim only ever played for Turkey at the younger levels. Um uh, he, he then goes on to say, I digress, I still think it was a big mistake to ostracise and then let Turk leave the club the way Hearts did. Um, so, Claudio's starting to go off on tangents. He's been listening to us too much, apparently. <laughs> um, in, in central midfield, I would pick the talented and multifunctional paid uh, Larry Kingston and Arnold Jume. Uh, Larry, I know mostly from Football Manager, uh, where he was just great. But Jume, I'm acquainted with from Hearts TV. And what I said about Uzturk also applies to him, with the addition that he was often played, uh, how else, but out of position by Craig Levine. Uh, the wingers in his 4-2-3-1 formation would be Solis Mikulunis right, Roman Bednar, he's playing him on, out wide on left. Um, the latter not in his strongest role, but I seem to remember a couple of great goals he scored from cutting inside which is well-remembered as well. Um, and the man playing off the striker, the main man, Rudy Skatchel, no introductions needed. And in attack, um, he hesitated between Edgaris Jankowskis and Kyle Lafferty, but finally went for the Northern Irish journeyman. Um, seems Kyle was more prolific despite being a great liability at times, and that's from Claudio. So thank you for taking the time to write us the email. Um, interesting that he goes with Lafferty. Uh, you know, with the strikers we've had, I suppose it, it's maybe still fresh in people's mind that he he was such a a good goal scorer, and I, he's one of those players that you wonder what could have been if he was in a, I guess, a better Hearts team as well, because he scored almost twenty goals in what was relatively a bang average Hearts team. He did well at Hearts. He did well at Hearts. I think the bad taste in the mouths of many was was because he he kind of. Uh, it was like, oh, there was like a magnet in Govan, and he had a piece of metal in his, inside his, his, his Rangers Sports Direct t-shirt that he used to wear under his heart's kit, and it, the magnet kind of attracted him back to his spiritual home. It's like it's, I would have had no issue if he'd come back to Harps afterwards, after Rangers let him go. Where's he now? Sarpsborg or somewhere? Yes. Yeah, and again, Kyle Lafferty is a package, and you don't get the goal scorer without the troubles. Um, and he's, he's had off-the-field issues, and Hearts should be commended for, for helping Kyle through his troubles. And I'm glad that he he, he got through the other side. Um, 
And he's he's one of the flawed genius. Genius is 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 bandied about too much. And I'm not saying that Kyle Lafferty's a genius. I'm I'm just saying that that is a phrase which I think the flawed and the genius a lot of the time go hand in hand mm-hmm. with various with various talented players and and genius not in a literal sense but players that you you just wonder would they would they have been so much better without the flaws or is it the flaws that helps make the genius in some of these sportsmen and women there's there's so many i mean a Ronnie O'Sullivan and Alex Higgins and in snooker or George Best in, in football and there's there's so many of them you you just wonder what, what might have been and i'm sure we we either all watched or played with with kids when we were younger and you thought if this kid continues like this, they could be anything they want to be. But it's just the pathway is so diverse as to who ends up doing what. And sometimes you get journeymen that, that go on and make a good career for themselves. I mean, Eric Dyer is a player for me. I'm just like, my God, you're, you've done so well for yourself with, with, I'm not saying limited ability, but there's so many more players that have got so much more ability. And, and, haven't ended up getting as or achieving as much as, as he and take nothing away from what he's done and and all credit to him for for getting there um you don't always get what you deserve but you've 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 still got to just plug away and and like maybe he's made some wrong decisions after his first time at rangers lafferty he ended up in switzerland then he was in italy and he did all right at palermo norwich wasn't as good so yeah J- journeyman Johnnyman is a good description for Kyle Lafferty, um, but, but a little bit flawed as well. And what might have been if he'd come back? Who knows? Uh, Blair Dinwoody tried to throw in Pasquale Bruno and Stefano Salvatore, but you mentioned Bruno had um, two Olympic caps. Um, yeah, Salva- I, I, I... Salvatore did get a B cap in '89. I, I think I said to someone on Twitter, it'd probably be your call if if, if they're going to no be... No problem with it. Yeah, no, that, everyone, that everyone's different. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to put Pasquale in. I, I personally wanted to go with full caps, but he he played for the Olympic team and Stefano played for the under-21. No problem with that. They <coughs> Excuse me. They they represented their country. Um, so, yeah, and, and if the criteria has been loosened for all, I'm sure both would certainly have been in contention for many more squ- squads. Oh, goodness me. I'm gonna th- not gonna go through it. Everyone is, you know, lots of people sent in teams. Um, sorry, to, I'm not gonna be able to go through them all. There's a lot of you know, similar players in there as you would expect. Um, a couple of other ones just to throw out there. One got me really from 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 left field here. Um, Martin Taylor in his team put at centre back Kanchelskis. Um, and this is Thomas Kanchelskis. Mm-hmm. Um, he was who, actually a good player. Well, this is funny because he did say Kinchelskis didn't play much, but Martin felt he always looked like a good centre-back. Now, he played six, totally agree. six times for Hearts. Um, he, he got 14 Lithuanian caps overall. I'll be honest, I, I, I remember the name Thomas Kinchelskis being one of the many Lithuanian players, and I don't remember him being especially dreadful. You know when you get a, a Kurskis <laughs> or a, or a Beneusis in your head that you just remember them being god awful i don't remember that i just don't remember much about him at all tall lean relatively quick defending machine no wow no <laughs> just just decent yeah he was he was fine he 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 wouldn't be in my in my 11 um 
and he hasn't. He's not made the first eleven, the second eleven, or the bench. But he, he was he was all right. He, he wasn't a guy that he actually he failed a trial. Yes, um, yeah, he played against Osasuna, didn't he? Yeah, he. It's funny looking back at some of these. That's a good one because Osasuna was at Murrayfield, wasn't it? Yeah, two 0 win. He, there you go. Excuse me. <coughs> cough, cough. Right, I'm better. I'm back. Um, it's funny looking back at some some of these guys that were on the the lorry from Lithuania <laughs> that that came over. Um, there, I mean, there was some. I, I remember this kid called Audrius Kusanavicius who came over. I think he was a little winger, but I kind of thought he was one of the other competition winners' pals um, when he first came over. And he was, he, he, standard-wise, not Hart's level, but that was back in the day when Vlad pretty much thought, because Lithuania were in the EU, that he could bring as many of these guys over as possible. And um, after he got his kind of money for Velich guy, he thought, well, maybe we can do it with more. There's a lot of draft, uh, a lot of dross that, that was that was brought over, but Konchalskis was not one of them. He he might not have got his his his, uh, his transfer in 06, but he he ended up getting to Hearts. What was it on loan in uh, in January 07? Yeah, he was. I'm I'm going to throw one final one final player out there, which made a player who made um, big Felly on Twitter made his team. Um, and Janis Balog. No, this is this is. <laughs> Tommy Grunland. Um, yeah, the finish international. Another 36 finish caps, two goals, who spent season 2001-2002 at Hearts. And you know what? He was a player I quite liked. You know, he was a kind of a hard-working and a hard, generally, midfield, I remember. You know, he didn't want to mess with him. Liked to put a challenge in, covered a bit of ground. I, I quite liked him. He was a, a Craig Levine player. The, the Finnish Neil McFarlane, that's what I'm going to call him. With a nasty streak, Neil didn't have a nasty streak that's, to him. That's true. He was. He, a bit of a, he yeah. could have been a nasty little bastard, <laughs> Gronland. I didn't mind that. I, I, he he had a he had a purpose, and there were games that finished suited... Julian Brelier then. Uh, no, Brelier didn't have a nasty streak in a but he, <laughs> Tell Scott Brown that. <laughs> well, that was deserved. Um, Gr- I, did, Gronland... I didn't disagree with that. But... No, Gr- Gronland has if you if google search it's actually the picture that london hearts have used but tommy tommy groenland's got this smile i never trust people who smile and you can't see their teeth don't know why he just it looks like this kind of <laughs> he, he knows stuff he tommy tommy groenland was he was he is another player who again he wouldn't get in my 11 but i can understand why he would he'd get in some not a goal scorer i think he what did he get two for hearts or something Aberdeen and Kilmarnock apparently. I like that. I like the goal against Aberdeen. I, re- I remember being at that game and Aberdeen's own hard man got sent off, uh, Roberto Bisconti. Okay, let's let's move on from the international eleven. I think it's been good. Thank you to everyone for getting in touch and giving us your suggestions. I think it. Um, Put some some nice some nice things out there to discuss. Um, and some surprising names, um, for better or worse, that we managed to uh, get some content out of. So, I think that was a worthwhile bit of homework, and we appreciate the time that everyone took to go into it. Um, Mark did just mention homework, so I'm going to just fire into it right now because we are on episode fifty-one 
0.51 of the podcast. A number which holds, of course, infinite significance for Hearts fans, uh, given a certain scoreline uh, seven years ago. Um, and, of course, then Mr Scatchell uh, tricking Peter Houston into giving him that squad number when he went to Dundee United. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, which was great. And um, see, that, it's funny you talked about... You know, they call Kyle Lafferty and Rangers thing. Uh, not even similar because Scatchell really didn't do much of a job at Dundee United in all in all honesty. Um, a lot of Dundee United fans got very irritated by the cons- <laughs> the constant loving still at Hearts. And you'll you remember that game when he came back to Tynecastle and in the 51st minute, the Hearts fans all started singing Rudy Scatchell's name and, and he was clapping the Hearts fans, obviously wearing a Dundee United shirt. Um, but I remember a few Dundee United fans being a bit like, Come on, get on with it. You're not. You're, we're paying you now. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so number five one. Obviously, that's significant for Hearts. Worn now by a certain Aaron Hickey. The homework was going to be the numbers that hold some significance for you and Hearts. So you in football, you in Hearts. So whether that's the number of a former player or the number you put on your shirt. You know, why do you do it? Was it a it could just be related to yourself you know this is the obvious ones you know the year of your birth or whatever but i think there could be some interesting ones in there and i mentioned to you before we went on air um i always got number 28 on my shirt purely because i had a big soft spot for julian brelier he wore 28 so i had a few brelier shirts with 28 so i got a couple years later which i just stuck 28 on i don't know the number just stuck so what numbers it doesn't have to be related to a player's number it could be something else a year that something happened or or whatever but the significant numbers to you uh, when it comes to football and hearts any from you off the top of your head mark number seven number Lucky seven, seven. It was the, yeah it was it was the day i was born the 7th of april and i used to love watching john Colquhoun wear the number seven jersey um at, at Tynecastle. just i'm trying to remember did he have it was it all tucked out? Uh, not tucked out, sorry. Um, was it all kind of hanging out? Un- or... Untucked. Untucked, yes, of course, the opposite of. <laughs> or was it just part... Because he, he used to, he used to like either coming out last or second last. I can't remember which one it was. And just just quirk, just silly things that you remember, or, or clearly don't in this case. <laughs> um, but number seven for me uh, w- would be something, would be the number I like. Okay, so get in touch, uh, Twitter at Around the Funnel, and you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Before we go... Um, oh, we've got to talk football. Briefly, I mean, you know, we, we've we've spoken about the team generally last time out. Um, we're not going to do a big in-depth uh, pre-match build-up of the next game, which is Rangers on Sunday. Um, Hearts come up against top of the league. Two points clear of Celtic now after Celtic's defeat to Livingston. They've lost seven in a row against Rangers. And I think it was publicised on Twitter in the last few days. Craig Levine's record as Hearts boss against Rangers is 24 games and one victory and 20 defeats. It's not a team that we've done well against in recent years. It's not a team that Craig Levine's done well against as Hearts manager generally. Um, And we're not playing with much confidence so I can't say I'm looking forward to it but on a plus side if I were to throw something on the more positive sense out there Uche and Peter Haring are expected back 
okay, had I? Good. So that's something. Good. Uh, are you expecting anything on Sunday lunchtime? I, this is weird. I am. Oh, I, oh I, okay. I, not, not a win, but I'm expecting a performance. I'm, I, I, I've got a few Rangers mates, and they're they're not worried as such about Sunday's game, but they're like, everything's set up for Rangers to win it pretty comfortably. It doesn't it doesn't happen like that, and when the shoes on the other foot. Well, apparently it does happen like that because most of the time they beat us. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I've had this bee in my bonnet, but us at Ibrox, it's like we've, we're beaten before we even get near the marble staircase at the front door. Tyne Castle, and I know Craig's only won once against Rangers. Uh, um, it was at Ibrox as well. Yeah, so, he's never beaten Hearts. He's never beaten Rangers at Tyne Castle. Wow. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hearts got a point out of this because it it doesn't it doesn't need much of a sell to the players. They've 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 been stung. Uh, they've they've been stung by criticism internally, externally, from their own boss, which you could argue was or was not correct. Um, it's it's time to to stand up and be counted, or fade away. And the team selection is going to be really interesting for me, because he pretty much came out Craig Levine after the game the last time out and said. The, the team selections over the next few weeks will reflect what I think of, of certain players. Um, let's see if he's true to his word. And if he is, it'll be interesting to see who, who, who misses out. Because when you've got players coming back, they're going to, they're going to find a, a spot. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see who misses out. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would, I think a draw. This week, and I don't know why. There's there's nothing to base that on at all. <laughs> but I, but I, I I got the I just had that feeling we would we'd do all right at Easter Road, and we won. And I don't know why. Normally, ahead of a game against the Old Firm, I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, I think we'll I think we'll do something this weekend. I think we'll get at least a point. I don't. Um, but <laughs> okay, Kevin Clancy's the ref, whatever that means. <laughs> Uh, okay. I I enjoyed your optimism. It took me by surprise, and I appreciated it because it gave two contrasting views ahead of Sunday's game. I I I certainly hope that your view is the one that um is closest to reality when we come to this weekend's game. Um, I I I won't hold out hope, but I am looking forward to being proven wrong. Um. So, yeah, Hearts Rangers on Sunday. Um, I don't think we need to say much more about it. We'll talk about it next week on next week's show, and I'm hoping there's something to be optimistic about when we do discuss it. Um, and, of course, the homework, your Hearts-related numbers, Hearts and football-related numbers. Other than, other than that, I think, um, I think I'm done. Are you done? Uh, what's the right answer? Yes? It's, it's the only answer, to be fair, yeah. Okay, yes, dear. Okay, well, thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time. I'm phoning, you know, about Craig Brown's selection for the Scotland squad. Yep. um, He must know that Hearts have got a good team. We we get Colin Cameron in the squad, Mm -hmm. Stephen Presley. I just don't know why for at least three seasons he's been ignoring Auntie Nemi. Auntie Nemi? Aye, I don't know why he doesn't get a game. (laughs) For Scotland? Aye. 
He's from Finland. He's what? He's Finnish, isn't he? He's not finished. He's only 28. No, not finished. He's from Finland. What do you mean? That's where he, he, his nationality is f- Finnish. He's from Finland. He's not Scottish? No. Oh, I thought he was Scottish. 